section seventeen of the three lieutenants this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the three lieutenants by william henry giles kingston chapter fifteen part one stella and the midshipmen sail for jamaica in the sarah jane voyage arrival jack's delight at recovering tom stella goes to the bradshaws hickson promoted the plantagenet and tudor sail for cartagena they quickly settle all difficulties proceed to the mosquito shore boat expedition up the san juan de nicaragua the sarah jane meeting with fine weather and a fair wind glided rapidly across the caribbean sea higson felt proud of his first command and soon gained that self-confidence which long years spent in a subordinate position and had made him doubt that he possessed the midshipmen supported him well and needham who acted as boatswain and a more thorough man-of-war's man never stepped assisted to keep the rest of the crew in good order tom rogers was declared first lieutenant and he walked the deck with all the air and consequence of one he had already become a fair navigator and higson could depend on his calculations gordon was dubbed the master and it was voted that desmond should be second lieutenant i say exclaimed tom we ought to have a doctor and so i propose that we give master spider the rating since we haven't got a better one to fill the post he at all events won't drench his patients with physic and if he has to bleed them he will do it artistically with his teeth so spider was dubbed doctor from henceforth higson appointed archie gordon also to do the duties of purser so that he had plenty of occupation it was impossible to be more attentive to poor miss o'regan than were the young midshipmen or more thoughtful in all they did although she still looked pale she endeavoured to show her gratitude whenever she came on deck by her cheerful conversation and her smile which desmond declared beat everything in the way of sunshine the midshipmen enjoyed the voyage and quickly regained their strength somewhat lost during their imprisonment as to their spirits they were of too buoyant a nature to be kept down the moment the pressure was removed at length the blue mountains beyond the harbour of port royal appeared in sight the sea-breeze which still blew fresh wafting the brig rapidly towards the shore miss o'regan with her faithful attendant by her side seated on deck watched with much interest the magnificent view which gradually rose before her eyes the three midshipmen were standing near her i cannot help hoping that the frigate and corvette have been sent to sea if not higson will have pretty soon to give up his command and we three degraded from our rank shall be ignominiously sent back into the midshipmen's berth said tom with a laughable grimace then the sooner we make up our minds to sink into insignificance the better observed desmond who had a telescope to his eye i make out clearly enough the frigate and corvette at anchor however we shall have a jolly time of it giving the other fellows an account of our adventures 
i vote that we make old scrofton believe that master spider played a gallant part in the capture of the cartagenian fleet and led the boarders when we took the corvette but we didn't board at all in the first place said tom so that won't be true to begin with no but when one's about spinning a yarn it's as well to spin a good one answered desmond to my mind a joke's a joke and a lie's a lie observed tom although it would be very good fun to quiz old scrofton we certainly should not tell him what is not the truth and i won't vote for anything of the sort nor will i observe gordon and after all the adventures we have been preserved from it's time that we should knock off our midshipmen's tricks where should we have been if my cousin murray hadn't come in at the moment he did and so bravely captured the fleet we should to a certainty have been shot as was the poor colonel hush said tom pointing to miss o'regan she may hear us patty desmond looked rather vexed i don't consider humbugging an old boatswain telling a lie as you choose to call it he said turning away truth is truth patty though answered tom i didn't mean to offend you and i dare say we shall get a rise out of old scrofton without descending to falsehood patty's anger was as usual quickly appeased and he joined in the hearty laughter which master spider produced as at that moment he came hopping aft rigged in a white shirt with blue turn-down collar white trousers a straw hat secured to the top of his head and a wooden cutlass made fast to one of his paws and which in his efforts to free himself from it he appeared to be flourishing about as if engaged in mortal combat there exclaimed patty if he didn't board the dons he shows that he would have done so if we had run them alongside and he would precious soon have driven them overboard even stella could not help indulging in a smile such as had not for a long time lighted up her countenance while polly clapped her hands and shrieked with laughter gradually the fortifications and buildings of port royal and the long line of the palisades appeared in sight and the brig passing close round the works of fort charles steered in and anchored a short distance from the frigate blue peter was flying from the mastheads of both ships a signal that they were about to put to sea so there was no time to be lost higson ordered a boat to be lowered and leaving the brig in charge of needham accompanied by the three midshipmen pulled alongside the frigate stella naturally preferred remaining on board the brig until she could be conveyed to kingston captain hemming was on shore but mr cherry and jack rogers were on board while adair was seen walking the deck of the corvette a boat coming alongside sir sang out norris addressing jack who was officer of the watch and if i can believe my eyes there's higson with your brother and gordon and patty desmond in her the announcement produced no small excitement on board all who heard it hurrying to have a look at the three long-lost midshipmen jack his warm heart beating with joy rushed to the gangway he was soon shaking hands with tom and his companions who were warmly welcomed by their other shipmates spider who had accompanied them made his own way up the side and seated on the hammock nettings holding on by a backstay was received with shouts of laughter by his old friends he chattering away seemingly as glad to see them as they were to greet him 
singling old ben snatchblock with whom he had been a favourite he sprang on his shoulders and was quickly carried in triumph forward where he was lost to sight among the crew who gathered round him as schoolgirls are wont to do round a small child introduced amongst them higson and the midshipmen were in the meantime relating their adventures as rapidly as their tongues could wag as soon as they had given a brief outline of them they inquired what had occurred during their absence the corvette had been repaired commander babbicome though still as much afraid of the west india climate as at first had not resigned as it was thought he would do her complement had been made up of the crew of two merchant vessels wrecked on the coast with other volunteers and a few hands from the frigate and they were now only waiting the return of captain hemming to proceed to the southward application having been made by her britannic majesty's consul at bluefields on the mosquito shore for the assistance of some ships of war to protect british interests in that part of the world a variety of outrages and insults of which he complained having been offered to englishmen work of some sort it was expected would be cut out for them and all hands were delighted at the thoughts of having something in the way of fighting to do then the sooner i get up to kingston the better exclaimed higson it won't do to be left behind i can't go however without delivering my dispatches to the admiral he accordingly hurried back with the three midshipmen to the brig where jack and adair who were anxious to pay their respects to miss o'regan presently followed they said all that was proper to her regarding her father's death and expressed their hopes that murray would soon return to jamaica and receive his well-earned honours he is sure to be promoted said jack when he is i have great hopes that the admiral will appoint him to the command of the corvette should captain babbicome resign her as i think he is very likely to do for he evidently wishes himself looking after his cows and pigs at home miss o'regan and her attendant with higson and the three midshipmen proceeded up at once to kingston fortunately on landing they met the admiral who was delighted to hear of murray's success i knew the lad would do something if he had the opportunity he exclaimed rubbing his hands and very well he has done it that all must allow he will obtain his promotion and you mr higson may depend on receiving yours on being introduced to miss o'regan the old admiral exclaimed you must come up to the pen my dear young lady and remain there till you can communicate with your friends mrs and miss mcalpine will be delighted to see you on your own account and also that of my kinsman lieutenant murray he is an officer in whose welfare i am much interested and i can assure you that he has not disappointed my expectations then turning to the midshipmen he added and you youngsters must come up too the ladies will want you to spin them a yarn about your adventures and i'll take care that the frigate does not sail without you 
though stella would have gladly set off at once for her relations the bradshaws she could not refuse the admiral's kind invitation he drove her up to the pen where higson and the midshipmen followed stella was kindly received and as little as possible was said to recall the painful scenes she had gone through the admiral with murray's dispatches before him questioned higson as to further particulars and then made the midshipmen recount their adventures to his wife and daughters being especially amused at the way desmond roused up the vice-consul and his household tom ever afterwards declared that he was the most jolly old officer he had ever met with excepting of course admiral triton i see mr higson that lieutenant murray speaks in the highest terms of your bravery and courage in this affair said the admiral i have great pleasure therefore in giving you an acting order as third lieutenant of the plantagenet and i have no doubt that when the affair is known at the admiralty it will be confirmed and i can congratulate you on the step which has been entirely gained by your own merits higson felt his heart jump nearly into his mouth for often before as he had expected promotion he had been disappointed and he had almost given up hopes of obtaining it he thanked the admiral warmly say no more about it mon he answered i wish that i could reward every one on board the supplejack as they deserved you may possibly before long have an opportunity of distinguishing yourself and i am very sure that i shall hear a good account of you captain hemming soon afterwards went up to the pen when he received fresh instruction as to his course of proceeding instead of going direct to nicaragua as he had before been ordered to do he was to touch cartagena to settle the affair of the capture of the cartagenan fleet and the recapture of the merchantman it being considered that a visit of two or three ships of war might somewhat assist in bringing the diplomatic part of the transaction to a satisfactory conclusion when the midshipmen went to wish good-bye to stella she had a letter for murray which she entrusted to archy gordon you may depend on me for delivering it safely for i should otherwise never be able to look my cousin in the face he answered after an early dinner the admiral dismissed them higson wished to get several things in kingston before they returned on board he had also to deliver over the brig to the agent who had to find a fresh crew in lieu of the men-of-war's men and some of the others who volunteered for the frigate it was thus past midnight when they got on board higson received the hearty congratulation of his old messmates as well as those of the midshipmen whose berth he was leaving pardon me mr higson i'm right glad that you've got this step exclaimed nick needham you deserve it that you do though it's not always those who are most deserving that gets their due by daybreak next morning the plantagenet and tudor sailed with the land breeze for the southward about the usual length of time was occupied in the run across the caribbean sea to cartagena the plantagenet hove to outside while captain hemming went on board the tudor which stood into the harbour there lay the little supplejack like a bulldog watching his charge with long tom still pointed at her prize while her young commander ever vigilant walked her deck
very great as may be supposed was his delight when he saw the corvette glide up to an anchorage and when captain hemming came on board since the sarah jane sailed i have not once set foot on shore said murray after the first greetings were over i acted as i thought for the best and i hoped that the admiral was not inclined to find fault with me for what i had done find fault with you on the contrary my dear fellow he is delighted answered captain hemming he also told me in confidence that you may depend on your promotion by the by your young relative gordon is the bearer of a dispatch which will give you further information i'll leave you to read it while i have a talk with the consul who i see has just come off the dispatch which archy delivered to his cousin need not be made public though it afforded him intense satisfaction the consul after a brief conversation with captain hemming returned on shore to communicate with general carmona it was reported on board that the general had offered as he could not restore the british subjects he had shot to life to give up an equal number of natives to be dealt with in the same manner should the english commander be so disposed although he talked a little big about being compelled to give up the two merchant vessels which had been legally captured he was glad enough to drop the subject on condition that his corvette and schooners were restored to him while he promised in future never to shoot hang or imprison any british subject without a legal trial thus the matter being settled long tom was once more housed and the supplejack sailed out of the harbour murray not supposing that anything of consequence was likely to take place was much disappointed when instead of proceeding to jamaica he was ordered to join the other ships on their way to nicaragua both the three lieutenants and the three midshipmen though on the same service were now separated gordon having remained on board the frigate desmond having joined the corvette while tom continued with his brother various were the surmises as to the sort of service in which they were to be engaged all they knew was that the president of an insignificant republic having ventured to beard the english he was to be punished accordingly and brought to reason how this was to be done was the question as the ships could not get near enough to the shore to batter down any of his towns captain hemming had however received a sufficient information regarding the interior of the country to be enabled to form his plans the ships having reached the neighbourhood of bluefields on the mosquito shore a pilot vessel from one of the numerous keys situated off that dangerous coast came out the pilot being taken on board they proceeded with the lead going to the anchorage off the town which is situated on the border of a wide extending plain out of which several volcanoes could be seen continually puffing forth smoke the british consul at once came on board and expressed his satisfaction at their arrival there will be some work for you to do captain hemming he observed a certain colonel salas belonging to the precious republic of nicaragua who is at the head of a band of ruffians has carried off two persons from san juan falsely accused of breaking the laws of the country and he has besides offered numerous other insults to the british flag 
a short time only was spent in making the necessary preparations the consul mr wilmot being a man of action was eager himself to proceed with the expedition accompanied by a spirited young man mr halliday who also begged leave to join the party they offered the use of their own boat manned by natives which was at once accepted the following morning the vessels got under way and proceeded towards the mouth of the san juan river blue fields it should be understood is one of the chief towns belonging to the dark-skinned monarchs of the mosquito shore and Greytown, at the entrance of the last-mentioned river is the capital at noontime the following day the expedition arrived off that not over delightful spot it contains about two thousand inhabitants and is situated on perfectly level ground so completely closed in by impassable forests or water that a walk in any direction is impossible unless along the sea beach the inhabitants consist of a few englishmen and a greater number of germans and americans employed in the engrossing work of dollar-getting the grog shops however drive a most flourishing trade but few natives live in the town and from the colour of those seen paddling about in their canoes it is evident that they are a mixture of the mulatto and indian they came alongside the ships eager to dispose of the turtle which they are chiefly engaged in catching and to sell a few eggs and chickens they were merry fellows most of them speaking english as they were ready to take any price offered they soon got rid of their merchandise the consul advised captain hemming to be prepared for hostilities and as he was too wise an officer to despise a foe he ordered all the boats of the squadron to be got ready for the expedition no one was allowed to go on shore indeed scarcely a place on the face of the globe can have fewer attractions than greytown the seamen were busily employed in sharpening cutlasses and examining their pistols and the soldiers in furbishing up their arms ready for active service not a breath of wind stirred the glass-like surface of the water the sun came down with intense heat making the pitch in the seams of the decks bubble and squeak so paddy desmond declared even those most inured to tropical suns felt the heat which even the awnings stretched over the quarter-deck could scarcely mitigate poor captain babbicome was seen pacing up and down with a large bandana in his hand puffing and blowing and wiping the perspiration from his brow he received but little consolation when he heard terence remark that it would be hotter still up the river oh dear oh dear what shall i do he exclaimed if this continues i shall be reduced to a skeleton the doctor strongly advised him to remain on board a sunstroke would finish you sir he observed and you would be a loss to the service still commander babbicome was too brave a man to give in willingly even when captain hemming directed him to remain in charge of the squadron during his absence he begged to be allowed should he feel better to proceed up the river act as you think best should you recover sufficiently to stand the fatigue of course i shall be glad to have your assistance answered his superior officer murray in the meantime took his place as second in command twelve boats were prepared for the expedition consisting of the ship's launches and barges the consul's boat a spare pinnace and the captain's gigs 
the next morning at daybreak the boats shoved off from the ship's sides saluted with loud cheers by those who remained on board captain hemming and murray went in their respective gigs and jack who had command of the pinnace took tom with him while desmond accompanied adair in one of the barges the soldiers and the marines were distributed among the boats the whole including officers bluejackets and soldiers mustered upwards of two hundred and fifty men the two gigs accompanied by the consul's boat went ahead they had not proceeded far before they felt the strength of the current for although the river was wide it was shallow and so great was the mass of water coming down that it ran with the rapidity of a mill-stream the men had to bend to their oars with might and main and even then the heavier boats in several places scarcely seemed at times to go ahead though the sun struck down with intense heat the gallant bluejackets took no notice of it nor relaxed their efforts but hour after hour pulled on encouraged by their officers in some places the water was so shallow that the boats could with difficulty move along and frequently they had to shove off till another channel was found undaunted however they laboured on till midday when they landed at the most convenient spot to be found on the banks of the river to dine and recruit their exhausted strength an hour only was allowed for rest and once more they embarked and toiled on as before the forest on both sides of the river came close down to the water's edge the lofty trees towering high above their heads shutting out everything behind here and there a few clearings were seen with huts and other buildings tenanted by settlers and now and then a native in his light canoe paddled by but few inhabitants were seen the views as they proceeded consisted chiefly of the tumbling waters and the forests as the hand of nature had left them at length night approached the captain gave the order to land and the hardy crews their strength taxed to the uttermost pulled in quickly to a somewhat more open spot than was usually seen on the banks where they might find room to bivouac for the night the boats were made fast and all hands leaped on shore and began with their axes to cut away the underwood a space sufficient for the object was soon cleared the camp-fires were lighted pots and pans brought on shore and the men told off to act as cooks set to work to boil the coffee and cocoa and warm up the messes of turtle which had been prepared the only spots where they could rest with anything like comfort was round the fires the thick clouds of smoke rising from which helped to keep off the myriads of mosquitoes which forthwith commenced an onslaught on them the officers assembled in the neighbourhood of one of the fires while the soldiers and sailors gathered round the others a person ignorant of the cause might have supposed that every man of the party had been seized with st vitus dance not a man could retain his seat or keep his hands quiet for a moment for while he tried with one hand to get his food or a cup to his mouth the other was employed in slapping right and left now at his cheek now at his other hand or at his feet in vain endeavours to destroy his persevering foes for the instant a wreath of smoke blew to one side a whole host of ferocious insects darted forward to assail their victims on the other 
cigars and pipes were quickly lighted in the hopes of driving off the pests but in vain the fumes of tobacco had but little effect for if a puff drove them off a man's nose in an instant they attacked some other part of his body in spite of this inconvenience murray had again to give the account of his recent exploit while the midshipmen recounted for the twentieth time their adventures and imprisonment in cartagena End of section seventeen